for most people, grace is not a two by four. For most people, grace is just a bunch of really tiny course corrections until finally they're on a totally different trajectory. Yes. For Pete's sake, I'm Kat. And I'm Liz, and we're Chatting Catholic. We're self-study theologians of the domestic church. And we love reading what the Bishop of Rome has to say for himself. Welcome back to uh, For Pete's Sake. We are discussing Fratelli Tutti still, paragraphs of 42 through 55. But before we get to that, guess what the Vatican put out this week? Uh, They started a website entitled humandevelopment.va. All about Fratelli Tutti, and it's the dicastery for promoting integral human development. I just saw it today. By the time this comes out, maybe everyone who cares about the Pope this much to listen to a podcast like this probably already knows about it. But you know what? I was intrigued. I did not know about it till you just told me right now. So that's fascinating. And you know what? I just Google searched it and pulled it up and it is like a great resource. It's very well done. And I like all the infographs they have there. I I think I might even take some from the website and post it on our Facebook page so people can find the link to this and yeah, and see all that info. And they have extra resources and reflections and all right, we'll definitely link that. And I'm going to probably spend this week kind of reading through this and seeing what what they have to put up here yeah they've got like a a quick summary of the encyclical that's basically the length of an internet article instead of you know 64 pages no 94 pages of printed out art encyclical it's a good 94 pages so stick with us but you can read that article in advance if you're curious without further ado can you take us through paragraphs 42 through 50 liz the illusion of communication Oddly enough, while closed and intolerant attitudes towards others are on the rise, distances are otherwise shrinking or disappearing to the point that the right to privacy scarcely exists. Everything has become a kind of spectacle to be examined and inspected, and people's lives are now under constant surveillance. Digital communication wants to bring everything out into the open. People's lives are combed over, laid bare, and bandied about, often anonymously. Respect for others disintegrates. And even as we dismiss, ignore, or keep others distance, we can shamelessly peer into every detail of their lives. Digital campaigns of hatred and destruction, for their part, are not, as some would have us believe, a positive form of mutual support, but simply an association of individuals united against a perceived common enemy. Digital media can also expose people to the risk of addiction, isolation, a gradual loss of contact with concrete reality, blocking the development of authentic interpersonal relationships. They lack the physical gestures, facial expressions, moments of silence, body language, even the smells, trembling of hands, blushes, and perspiration that speak to us and are part of human communication. Digital relationships, which do not demand the slow and gradual cultivation of friendships, stable interaction, or the building of a consensus that matures over time, have the appearance of sociability, yet they do not really build community. Instead, they tend to disguise and expand the very individualism that finds expression in xenophobia and in contempt for the vulnerable. Digital connectivity is not enough to build bridges. It is not capable of uniting humanity. Even as individuals maintain their comfortable consumerist isolation, they can choose a form of constant and febrile bonding that encourages remarkable hostility, insults, abuse, defamation, and verbal violence destructive of others, and this with a lack of restraint that could not exist in physical contact without tearing us all apart. 
social aggression has found unparalleled room for expansion through computers and mobile devices. This has now given free reign to ideologies, things that, until a few years ago, could not be said by anyone without risking the loss of universal respect, can now be said with impunity, in the crudest of terms, even by some political figures. Nor should we forget that there are huge economic interests operating in the digital world, capable of exercising forms of control as subtle as they are invasive, creating mechanisms for the manipulation of consciences and the, of the democratic process. The way many platforms work often ends up favoring encounter between persons who think alike, shielding them from debate. These closed circuits facilitate the spread of fake news and false information, fomenting prejudice and hate. We should also recognize that destructive forms of fanaticism are at times found among religious believers, including Christians. They, too, can be caught up in networks of verbal violence through the internet and the various forms of digital communication. Even in Catholic media, limits can be overstepped, defamation and slander can become commonplace, and all ethical standards and respect for the good name of others can be abandoned. How can this contribute to the fraternity that our common father asks of us? True wisdom demands an encounter with reality. Today, however, everything can be created, disguised, and altered. A direct encounter, even with the fringes of reality, can thus prove intolerable. A mechanism of selection then comes into play whereby I can immediately separate likes from dislikes, what I consider attractive, from what I deem distasteful. In the same way, we can choose the people with whom we wish to share our world. Persons or situations we find unpleasant or disagreeable are simply deleted in today's virtual networks. A virtual circle is then created, isolating us from the real world in which we are living. The ability to sit down and listen to others, typical of interpersonal encounters, is paradigmatic of the welcoming attitude shown by those who transcend narcissism and accept others, caring for them and welcoming them into their lives. Yet, today's world is largely a deaf world. At times, the frantic pace of the modern world prevents us from listening attentively to what another person is saying. Halfway through, we interrupt him and want to contradict what he has not even finished saying. We must not lose our ability to listen. St. Francis heard the voice of God, he heard the voice of the poor, he heard the voice of the infirm, and he heard the works of nature. He made them a way of life. My desire is that the seed that St. Francis planted may grow in the hearts of many. A silence and careful listening disappear, replaced by a frenzy of texting. This basic structure of sage human communication is at risk. A new lifestyle is emerging, where we create only what we want and exclude all that we cannot control or know instantly and superficially. This process, by its intrinsic logic, blocks the kind of serene reflection that could lead us to a shared wisdom. Together, we can seek the truth in dialogue, in relaxed conversation, or in passionate debate. To do so calls for perseverance. It entails moments of silence and suffering, yet it can patiently embrace the broader experience of individuals and peoples. The flood of information at our fingertips does not make for greater wisdom. Wisdom is not born of quick searches on the internet, nor is it a mass of unverified data. That is not the way to mature in the encounter with truth. Conversations revolve only around the latest data. They become merely horizontal and cumulative. We fail to keep our attention focused, to penetrate to the heart of matters, to recognize what is essential to give meaning to our lives. Freedom thus becomes an illusion that we are peddled, easily confused with the ability to navigate the internet. The process of building fraternity, be it local or universal, can only be undertaken by spirits that are free and open to authentic encounters. I really loved these chapters, and... 
I didn't do a deep reflection on a lot of them because it's just, I mean, yeah. And like digital communication and like social media, you just are just like, oh, I don't want to live in this. I don't want to live in these paragraphs for too long because we all know it's just like you said, it's just a trash fire. (laughs) Yeah. um, This is something that like, okay, so he talked about um, respect for others disintegrates even as we dismiss, ignore, keep others distant, but we shamelessly peer into every detail of their lives. Yes. Uh, I actually talked to my husband about this because when he was in high school, he had a job hunting down people. Like that was literally what he did was find people who, you know, sometimes they didn't want to be found. Sometimes they did. Um, but they had, uh, he worked for a lawyer's office. Um, and he has all those skills and he's still like, he's done that before just for, you know, not necessarily for the lawyer's office. Um, I mean, I don't do this as much because I don't need to do this as much. Josh, Mm -hmm. uh, Josh will tell me. If there's something I need to know or whatever, um, though I do, I admit, when you friend me on Instagram, I scroll down a pretty far away and just try not to hit <laughs> like because I don't want to be creepy. Oh, I um, know. And that's exactly what I thought when I uh, saw this line. I was like, oh, he's calling me out. And it is creepy. But it's like, you can't lie that you've done it. I totally yeah. have peered but into you know- someone else's I, I feel, okay, this may be totally hypocritical, but I feel like Instagram, mostly I follow businesses on Instagram anyway, so I feel like artists are pretty chill with me scrolling down to yeah. last year's art and being like, I love this, I love this too, and this, it's all great! Um, it feels a little different from Facebook, where like, we weren't friends a year ago, and I'm not sure I need to know this about you. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, Facebook is like more of your life day to day and people can just hop on there and be like, is she still married or what happened or what's going on? Oh, my goodness. My Um, husband hates Facebook. He he has a Facebook account because I started him one because I'm like, (laughs) well, and two employers look at your Facebook. They do when they're hiring or like when people you work with. So I'm like, at least put some stuff on there and I tag him in a few good things and, you know, just to keep him relevant because, I mean, he can't just be that weirdo that's not on Facebook, right? Yeah, but when I saw that, I was like, oh, we get to shamelessly peer into every detail of their lives. I was like, oh, okay, I won't look at people's Facebook anymore. Uh, if you are worried about privacy, my my husband's recommendation is you uh, know that you just don't have it. Just know you don't have it on the internet. So share as little as you can bear to mm-hmm. in as few places as you're willing. You can always email your relatives the photographs and whatever. But if you really want privacy, you really not need to not be on social media at all. I love that. Thank you. I needed that reminder too. And is it... Okay, so like Facebook, because I'm not on Instagram a whole lot, but Facebook, isn't it where someone has to like, I have to approve them to be a friend on my page, but Instagram, anyone can just follow you? Is that? Uh, Not if you're private. Oh, okay. Um, But of course, like, if you're going to be private, you know, you can expect to have a smaller following because a lot of businesses won't follow you back, obviously. But that can be a good thing. So if you're just using it to share, uh, Instagram's actually really great about it doesn't have the friend of friends thing. Um, okay. What you, what you have with, like, if your grandparents, for example, your parents, your children's grandparents share a photo of them, what you can have is they maybe have it set to friends of friends friends of friends is anyone because if you friended somebody who friended somebody uh oh you know so be very 
careful. If you're worried about the pictures you're sharing, don't let anyone share them but you and have your pictures all set to friends only. Paragraph 43. I really loved this one because it's so true when he talks about the authentic interpersonal relationships. Says they lack the physical gestures, facial expression, moments of silence, body language, even smells. The trembling of the hand, the the blushes, the perspiration that speak to us and are a part of communication. Digital relationships which do not demand the slow and gradual cultivation of friendship. But I loved this one because it is so absolutely true. You can really feel like you know people online and you have good discussion Mm -hmm. maybe. You could maybe even be doing like book clubs and stuff or have like different communities. But the actual building, the cadence of a relationship, the back and forth and just the intimacy of having a friendship is you you cannot build that online no matter how good of conversations Um, you have. I mean... I would, I would disagree. I'd say you can. What I would say is that it takes longer. Yes. It feels like it takes less time to, fill to, to build a digital relationship because ah. you can have a new BFF with an influencer that doesn't care about your existence. And like 30 seconds, your brain will be like, I've seen six dozen pictures of this person. And now my, your brain thinks I'm their best friend. No, honey. But you can have digital relationships. Mm-hmm. But assume that if you that it takes six months or more whereas if you go to a book club with a person for two months tops you're like yeah you can reasonably in that time get up to be a pretty good friend with somebody digital relationships you feel like a person's best friend faster yeah but you're not it takes much longer I think also, too, in my mind, like online, I think I can build friendships like that. But as far as like spiritual and corporal works mm-hmm. of mercy, oh, um, that's not possible. Right. It's like you cannot counsel your friend, like counsel the doubtful or instruct the ignorant. And so you can, but it's just so much harder. I remember having conversations with like deep, deep friends of mine and being able to come back maybe the next day and just say things like, okay, I I just want some clarification on this statement that you said or your thoughts on yes. this or, you yes. know, where I never... Maybe it's my personality, but I never felt comfortable going back to people on Facebook and being like, I need you to explain this post of yours. <laughs> Partly because the words are still there. You're like, I guess I could just read it again. Yeah. Um, but that's not the same as being like, tell Tess, what did you, so what did you say again? Um, mm-hmm. And the other... Or just like clarify like some context in that statement. Because you could have... Yes. Like, a lot of times I will assume, like, they're saying something insensitive, but it's, like, their background of where they're coming from or their, you know, history of it. It's, like, okay, now it's connecting more dots. Yep. And seeing their expression, too. Like, I can't can't pick up on those cues on Facebook, and I just miss a lot of the context a lot. In a couple paragraphs, he calls it a frenzy of texting. I'm, like, yes, I... Yes, He talks a little bit in 43 about practice called doxing and you have this this thing where somebody does something wrong and it's objectively wrong. Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is, you know, they get all their information looked up and then keyboard warriors on the Internet basically blow up in their face, ruining their lives. Right. Forever because 
they they did this thing and probably they needed to correct maybe you don't necessarily know the keyboard warriors never check yes you know, if there's no court case for these people to you there's it is definitely guilty even if proven innocent <laughs> um you end up with this weird situation where you're just stuck Yes. Um, That's what I was kind of saying before is like when you have that a real connection with someone, you can go back to them and do your fraternal correcting and be like, I need you to to clarify and explain kind of your mindset on these statements without the attack. Like you can do that in person. I hate doing that in text. Sometimes phone calls are better, but like person to person, I have no problem being able to look you in the face, be like, oh, okay, so... You said this, I would like clarification on that because that didn't sound quite right. And you know what? That sort of asking for clarification is fraternal for correction because sometimes it makes a person look at their words and go, yes. oh, that was that was awful. That was yes. mean. And the thing is, it's like what you end up having is this people wanting you to cancel yourself. Like, I want you to say that <sighs> everything you've ever done is wrong. You were bad before. And that's not how argument works. Yeah. It goes back to... Um, hey, what you just said, could you clarify that for me? Whereby which you really mean what you just said was totally bigoted. Yes. Um, and they're like, but they listen to themselves in their head and they realize they were bigoted. They don't want to self-identify as bigoted. And so they change, but not a lot, not a lot, just itty bitty. But you kind of, you just keep doing that. And uh, because grace doesn't, for most people, grace is not a two by four. For most people, grace is just a bunch of really tiny course corrections until finally they're on a totally different trajectory. I know, I know these are like buzzwords and buzz phrases, but I really dislike the whole um, cancel culture. Like I get people say dumb things on the internet, but like I said, I'm definitely the type of person I'm going to stick around just a little bit longer. Like let's hear, well, let's hear what she has to say. Like, let's see where she was actually going with it. Maybe it was like, Mm -hmm. like you said, a terrible choice of words or she was in the moment or whatever the issue may be. But I'm definitely not one about canceling people out because I'm way too nosy for that. Like, I'm like, oh, no, I want to dive deeper into this one. Like, what are you saying? (laughs) You you explain yourself. Exactly. Because the thing is, people generally believe that they are good um, Mm -hmm. and they want to stay good. So if you're dealing with a bigot, there's a solid chance they don't think they are. And if you don't, you don't want to shove their face in it like a dog, shoving a dog in its poop. You want to just be like, hey, I want you to rethink that. And they, maybe they will. And maybe they'll think about it. But if you shove their face in their own poo, what they're going to do is double down on it. And they're going to be like, all right, this is who I am. You tell me I'm a bigot. I'm going to be a bigot. I'm going to be a worse bigot than you've ever met. Yeah. No, I don't want that either. Yeah. I mean, you first have to find what common ground you do have. No matter how small it is. And then show them that you still have respect for them. And then you slowly just insert maybe what you would like them to change in their thinking or their tone or whatever. But Mm -hmm. the but yeah, the sledgehammer is never going to work. 
45, the way many platforms work often ends up favoring encounter between persons who think alike, shielding them from debate. And Mm -hmm. you had mentioned that in a previous episode, too, where you were talking about how it makes it easier for people to connect with the same people with the same train of thought. It just solidifies whatever they already had in their heads. And then it shields them from debate because I feel like that is a that is a art form that has definitely been lost. Like we've talked before Mm -hmm. about, you know, um, Pope Francis had mentioned like um, we are not even speaking the same language. People think they're giving out information, but it could it's just regurgitated from someone else. It's not really it's not even necessarily their opinion that they've personally processed. It's it's a talking heads opinion. Maybe you don't know until you Mm -hmm. start to. And and this is where we get to that. uh, The little it graces a, a bunch of tiny course corrections. You're both going to be oh, experiencing, yes. as you have real, authentic dialogues with people who disagree with you, sometimes you will find little things that they have to say that matter. Those seeds of truth, like we talked about in episode, I think, three, where mm-hmm. they have they have a different set of seeds than you, and you can pick you can pick those up and leave the drops behind. And they, uh, hopefully, your truths, your seeds will yeah i don't want to pretend like i believe that there's many multiple truths not the case but the seeds of truth that they have in them and the seeds that you right. they have in you you can trade back and forth hopefully and both of you can leave your own dross behind over these course corrections and i mean he talks about this in 47 too in the same way we can choose the people with which with whom we wish to share our world there is a great well it's a quote from venerable Fulton Sheen how it is possible to win an argument and still lose a soul yes and then Matt Fred used it as a talk title yeah and that's a good one if if you are a little uncomfortable with evangelization or with apologetics or how do you like talk to people especially like what are your counterpoints that you're going to say back to them if they say this that is a great talk to listen to because he does like the basic debate 101 you know how to do it without aggression and to make good, clear points and get good clarification from them. So I really like that talk. Bishop Barron also has a book out called Arguing Religion. And I, I really it. I have not read it. Have you do you have you read it? I haven't read the whole thing. What I read of it was really good. Um, yeah, even the symbol on the book, it like definitely is a Facebook esque symbol on it like meaning this is like more internet-based arguing or religion resources out there for debate and it's definitely a lost art my kids in their homeschool they they are definitely way more advanced as far as like apologetics or debating or critical thinking even and logic than I was at their age. I'm like, oh my goodness. Those are all things that I had to really like dig deep into in college, not in my sixth grade logic class. (laughs) You were saying like in the same way we can choose people with whom we wish to share our world. And as far as debate goes, that is so true. We avoid debate unless it's this crazy like aggressive social media debating that people do but as far as real debate and it's it's because people don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations but it's those uncomfortable conversations that lead to growth the thing about the internet debate is that it's not uncomfortable it's uncomfortable for people who still have that that surface in their heart but you know when you're just shouting mottos into the void that's not uncomfortable what's uncomfortable is talking you and another real person 
whose whose reaction you care about looking back at you in the face and they could react badly and here you are and now you have to say now that the stakes are actually high you have to say something that you know that they disagree with and that's harder that's uncomfortable well i was gonna say i also i also really want to make it a point to to not deter people from talking religion online because People can go back and read those comments for years. And I remember hearing a lady's conversion story to the Catholic faith. And she said it was because she was on social media like Facebook and um, Twitter and other things like that. And even if they were new conversations or comments from two years ago, she read through all of them. And she would notice the common factor. And she was an atheist. So she noted that when she yes i am (laughs) so if you want to hear uh, this in her own words it's called something other than god is her uh conversion story in a novel um but continue (laughs) yeah no i love how she talked about how the common factor that she realized in everyone's comments or if she was talking back and forth about things with people is that they were all Catholic. She may not have even realized she was speaking to Catholics, but she said as far as answering all of her questions and being giving her great resources and great um, little things to think about, she's like, wow, they're all Catholics. And so that's what led her down the road to investigate Catholicism. And here she is. Okay. So one of the things I want to get to is when you're when you're when you are debating on the internet, think about it like you're arguing with a six-year-old about how to add, and they are absolutely insistent that two plus two is six, and you're like, no, honey, <laughs> but you're not offended by the fact that this person is very yes. angrily insisting that two plus two is six because you know better. You just know better. You've read the arguments. You know two plus two isn't six. It's four, and it doesn't matter how angry this person gets at you. It doesn't matter what craziness they scream. They're not going to change the truth, and your faith is as robust as two plus two equals four. We have been studying this face for 2000 years. If there's a question, we have an answer. I can't tell you the questions that the Vatican is studying because some of them are so obscure, you just can't even imagine it. But any real question, my goodness, we've covered it. And honestly, you bring it, you bring it to prayer. And that's, that's going to do more for them than any verbal speaking that you can do to them. Yep. Consider, seriously consider unfollowing them. Yes. I have a little anecdote here that we can cut or not, but I have a little anecdote. I was talking to a family member over Christmas one year, and I had Mm -hmm. read a screed by a clan member, and because I had read this, I knew that what he was saying was pretty much word for word from that. Um, And so I flipped out. Like, I freaked out in a way that I didn't need to. My family member is not exactly the most intelligent person. He's extremely gullible. What he needed from me was for me to stay calm. He needed for me to stay calm and to continue loving him and not worrying that he was quoting word for word a free a terrible horrible human being because if i had just stayed there and loved him and pushed back against the nonsense pushed back yes. against the nonsense but not necessarily been like it's nonsense that comes from the clan 
Yeah. Because, I mean, it was, but who cares? It's nonsense that's not quite settled in my family member's heart. He was asking me about it because he wasn't sure it was true. And all I needed to do was push back on the logical fallacies, of which there were many, and that would have been enough. And instead I panicked, and I regret so much that I panicked. I feel like if I maybe hadn't known where it had come from, maybe it would have been easier not to panic. Yes. Oh, I love that you shared that. Just your openness of times that we have done wrong in it. And it's just like how we learn from it and we apologize and we go to confession and then we look within ourselves like, oh, why? Why Yeah, exactly. That That is one. I have confessed it, but uh, that is one that it's uh, grace is there. But I'm like, if I can stop somebody else from panicking at the you know, at Christmas, because their relative has gone off the deep end, that would be good. Please don't do that. You will regret it. (laughs) I love that you shared that because I feel like I am such the same way. Like as I've gotten older, it is definitely mellowed out. And like I said, as you get older, you learn more about like control and debate and how to approach people and like those those type of things. But I mean, man, there are so many instances like from me, younger cat in high school or college and it's just not having that a control it's like I feel like I I had the truth I knew I had the truth but I couldn't figure out a way how to um, mm-hmm. portray that in a way that was Christ-like because yes. like I I could just get so passionate which is good to have that passion I just didn't know how to present it well yes it's you kind of have to be if you're going to be in the evangelization game you kind of have to be a little more chill with heresy than you maybe are, you know? You're like, okay, yes. I can hear it without freaking out. I really love in paragraph 50, together we can seek the truth in dialogue, in relaxed conversation, or in passionate debate. To do so calls for perseverance. Definitely perseverance. I would say prudence as well. There are so many times like I yeah. stop myself and I do a quick prayer for discernment and I have no problem saying, God, I don't know. I yes. humbly come to you and ask for the gift of wisdom. And I feel like people are scared to ask for that, but that is a gift. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And and it's not to be the most academic person in the world. It's just I am trying to figure the situation out. If you could just send the Holy Spirit for guidance and for wisdom, that's all I need from you. Or all he's waiting for me to do is give up and put my hands in the air and say, Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. You just got to guide me there. And there's so many times that it was that surrender of, I don't know why I'm pushing this situation so much and forcing it into this little hole that I want it to be in. But when I give up and I just do that quick prayer of discernment, help me figure this out, then it usually just becomes so clear. And I find the words and I find the peace I need when I'm speaking to people. And it's just that 10 second pause and prayer. Yes, surrendering the results to and the actions to Jesus. Just, I need you to take over. I need you to do this. I am happy to be your mm-hmm. hands and feet, but um, I need yes. the brain to tell me where the hands and feet need to go right now. Yes. Oh, man, there are so many times I meditate on that quote by... St. Teresa of Avila, again, I quote her a lot, when she's talking about like, your hands are the only hands that he has here on earth. And like your is the only mouth. This is the only body that he has on earth. So you need to let him use it. 
Thanks for joining us this week on For Pete's Sake, as we explore the words of Pope Francis in Fratelli Tutti. Find For Pete's Sake on Facebook and Instagram. You can find links to Fratelli Tutti and some of our sources in the show notes. See you next week. St. Peter or a Pronobis. Pro-nobis.